Yeah, thank you for tuning in. It's more than a podcast. Inexhaustible episodes, God's vast. Glorify Him as we broadcast the Lord's grace and God's wrath. More serious than a bomb blast. Full disclosure inside the title. No surprises, simply put, guys with Bibles. Yeah. Just some regular reborn reformed cats If it's in the Bible then they're gonna speak on that Cause the scripture is the final word okay. Competing ideas quite absurd Of this you can be quite assured <laughs> yeah. We were lost in the darkness of night immersed in sin But then the, the light, light emerged. emerged It was the Son of God, divine Christ that shines light The word in Genesis that assigned life in hindsight And was revealed through the prophets and apostles We magnify and expound on the power of the gospel Yeah, yeah Hey everybody, this is Guys with Bibles. I'm Sean. And I'm Lee. And we're we're gonna be rogues tonight. We're just gonna do whatever the heck we want. We're going rogue. Scott's uh, writing a uh, paper for one of his classes, so uh, we told him to sit it out and we'll take care of it, right? Exactly. And we're, we, we're uh, gonna talk about his least favorite book of all time. Yeah, I figure that'd be a, I'd, that'd be a good uh, a good thing to talk about since he despises Jonah. I shouldn't say he despises it, but it's probably one of his least favorite books to uh, study and look through. So, which doesn't make any sense to me, but you know, a lot of life doesn't make sense to me. I think it's mainly the ending. He doesn't like the ending. It's just so it just kind of ends weird. I mean, I guess it does, but I don't know if that's good enough for you. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, Sorry it doesn't wrap up like a Stephen King novel or something. St- well, Stephen King novels <laughs> don't wrap up either. No, they don't. At least not until everybody's dead. It's kind of the whole point of Jonah is that people didn't die. Okay, so... I don't know. I've never read Stephen King. What?! No, never, never once. Never Get out! A book of his. It's true. Oh my goodness! I yeah, I confess. You've never read like a classic one, like Cujo or Nope, Pet Cemetery or Cujo. That's a really uh, good book, never, actually. The books will, almost one hundred percent of the time, his books are better than the movies. I would hope so. I think that's the rule, not the exception. I guess that, yeah, I guess that's the... Better than the movie. Yeah, I guess. Um, Lord of the Rings came close. They did really well with those movies, but... Those movies were awesome. But they still left out, like, important things in the books that changed the storylines in the movies just a little bit. So it wasn't quite the same thing, but they... It was it was pretty good, I have to say. Now the Hobbit that was ridiculous. I mean, the, I mean they stretched a what is that a two hundred page book? And yeah, it's shorter than the Fellowship of the Ring. I think. Yeah, they stretched that out until like a what is it like nine hours? Its own trilogy. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, like, I I felt so disrespected by that movie by those movies. The first one was pretty good, but then the other two. Just really went off the rails. Yeah. It was sad. 
They made me sad. And not in a good way. But, um, so, do you want to jump into Jonah here and just kind of talk about it a little bit? Let's do it. So, uh, here in chapter one, I don't necessarily want to read the entire book. It's very short. No, but don't have time for that. But, uh, <laughs> you ain't got time for that. <laughs> None of that. Um, but... I did want to mention the very first verse. So, uh, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, right? Is that how you say it? Sounds good to me. Okay. So, the word, it's it's interesting here. Um, the word, or the name Jonah in Hebrew means dove. <laughs> and the name Amittai in Hebrew means Faithfulness of Yahweh, hmm. or faithfulness of God. So that right there kind of sets the theme for the book. Um, hmm. The dove being a a messenger, a mm-hmm. and the faithfulness of Yahweh is really the theme of the book. That and the it sovereignty, the, it, sovereignty of I'm God, and the, yeah. So I mean. In a, in a very Old Testament fashion, they set the theme for the book with the very first sentence of the book. So, <laughs> and you know that the whole importance of individual people's names, especially in the Old Testament, is also really important. And that's something you don't really get a grasp on until you start digging a little deeper. Um, more than just uh, just careful reading, you actually have to do some research for that. That information, I think, is always pretty useful when you can get it. Yeah, and I just got into my CSB Legacy Note Taking Bible that I picked Ooh. that I picked up from uh, Alex Rodriguez on Facebook. Thank you, brother. Um, the better the 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 better a rod greater a rod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm a Reds fan, so I hate everybody else. That's right. <laughs> but My blood runs red, literally and figuratively. Yes. I'm a red-blooded Ohioan. <laughs> but uh, let's see here. First two, uh, they talk about oh, God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh. Right? And I think it's important to get a geographical sense of where Nineveh is at and how far Jonah actually had to travel to get there. And Nineveh is right, like it is set in modern day northern Iraq. Um, about, I believe it's like the ruins they found are like 220 miles northwest of Baghdad. So if you can get a, get a map out, if you're not familiar with Iraq, y- you can kind of get a sense of... The area it really is quite a distance. Yes, and, and for Jonah, in order for him to obey God and to get his butt moving and get up there, he'd have to travel it straight, straight line there. Which obviously he's not going to do a straight line. <laughs> is is uh, it's about five hundred miles, but the the most logical path that he would take would be closer to 600 miles. So that is a big endeavor for, for a single man to set out to do. 
and as we can tell from from Jonah's reaction, he definitely would not walk 500 miles, and he certainly would not walk 500 more. <laughs> oh man, I was ready for like a, <laughs> I was ready for like a point that you're gonna make. <laughs> I faked you out. I I made a joke. You're so you got, he, he's got jokes, that. people. <laughs> Boys got jokes. Um, um, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's a huge distance. Like you said, it would, it would really be expanded to be probably 600 or, um, maybe even 700, depending on circumstances. That is a long, long track. Right. It would be for us today, but it would be especially long back then when you're lucky to ride a donkey. I was going to say, a, I, he's either doing this on foot or if he's lucky enough to get, um, a beast of burden or something to ride, mm-hmm. it'd still take forever. Yeah. And yeah. then you have the added stress of taking care of the animal to make sure it doesn't die on you. <laughs> right, right. Which that's some that's some pretty rough terrain getting there. So, good luck, uh, good luck on that. So this is this was a huge test. This wasn't some small thing that God was calling Jonah to do. Right, and just like any good sinner, Jonah goes the opposite direction. Right. <laughs> he is right. like, heck, no, I'm not doing that, and. And there's a couple reasons for that, really. One, he's he's a sinner. He's just a sinful man. Um, two, he is a Hebrew. Jonah is a Hebrew, and God is telling him to go to Nineveh, which is, at the time, well, no, not at the time. I think after Jonah, after the time of Jonah, it becomes the capital of Assyria, which... Mm-hmm is geopolitical enemy number one. Oh, they are the arch nemesis of israel and they do horrible things to hebrews they are known for that and uh god barbaric type uh, punishments. yes yes and and god wants him to go tell the people of nineveh that their time's up and they need to they they need to prepare to be basically destroyed god's going to destroy them for every for all the evil acts that they've done to his people, which is a righteous thing for God to threaten to do, because after all, this is God's world, not ours, and at His pleasure, He has every right to completely annihilate uh, individual countries off the face of the earth, or even annihilate the earth itself. Right um, under the weight of sin, and, that's not unjust for Him to do. And you know, people look at the flood um, and. And see that, yep. and and see that sometimes they call it injustice, and it's not. It's we are all guilty, and, and uh, it, people don't like to see that. People don't like to see that truth, and that's what really what it is. It's truth, and uh, hey, Mark! it's it's difficult sometimes to to. That's a hard pill to swallow, you know. It is a hard pill to swallow. Because we're always like, it, we're always like, well, surely I'm not that bad, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm a good person deep down, that kind of thing. And no, you're not. You're not better than that. No, we're all. That's the one way in which all people are equal. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're we're all sinful. We're all sinners by our nature, not necessarily by our actions, but we have sinful actions because our nature is sinful. We don't all express it the same way, but we all have that same 
um, depth of depra- depravity uh, in our hearts. Yeah. And jo- Jonah, I mean, at bottom, Jonah really is no different than the people of Nineveh. And I think that's one of the lessons that he ends up learning in this book. Not only is God merciful, but he, even though he's a Hebrew, is a sinner too. Yeah. Just like the Ninevites. Yeah, j- the way he... His attitude towards God and God's will, God showed a lot of mercy and patience with Jonah. Uh, he did. He could have just smited him quickly, and he didn't. Um, he, no, he didn't. He had a purpose for Jonah, and Jonah, I believe... Wait, what? what is it? Okay, so, so first I want to touch on verses 5 and 6. We're going a lot slower than I thought we were going to do. I'm sorry. <laughs> so <laughs> It's guys with Bibles. This is what we do. But verses 5 and 6. It's going to take us three years to read Ephesians together. Probably. <laughs> um, if not longer. But yeah, verses, I, I probably undercut that. Verses 5 and 6, um, it talks about... Ju- wait, let's see here. So uh, part of verse 5, it says, Meanwhile, so the storms brewed up. God's caused this wind over the ocean, over the sea, and the, it's the, the boats wanting to break apart and all this stuff. And, and Jonah goes down to the lowest part of the ship, and he actually falls asleep. Um, he just, he's as, given as up. any man might. <laughs> yeah, he's just given up. He doesn't care if he dies because he doesn't want to do what God asked him to do. And as I've studied, I've studied this book, I don't know how many times. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, but, so many times. But in a sense, you can kind of see Jonah's spiritual decline uh, within these verses. Because God tells him to go up to Nineveh. Get up. Go up to Nineveh. But he flees in the words... And the words in the in scripture say he goes down to Joppa, and then he went down to the ship, and he went down to the lowest parts of the vessel, and then eventually the fish swallows him, and he goes down to the, you know, the base of the mountains, the of the ocean, like he's yeah. at the very bottom of the ocean. Basically, he hits spiritual rock bottom, you know. And, um, it is a good picture of that that kind of descent into sin that he yeah that he went through, and it's only at the bottom of the ocean in the belly of the fish that he prays to God. It's it's out of all that pain and suffering that he had to deal with that he finally repents. I love Jonah chapter 2 for that reason. It's yeah. such a good repentance prayer, but also uh, praise in there too, and then asking for help. It's so it's a, it's a really refreshing way to continue the story, you know, after all the, the, the blatant sin of chapter 1. Right, and I think it's hilarious in verse 7 and 8, the sailors, they're pagans. <laughs> right. Um, they're they're Gentiles. That These are the people that Jonah didn't want to associate with to begin with, and he's on a boat fleeing from God with Gentiles. And they throw him overboard, and they're reluctant to do it because they actually value a human life 
and <laughs> right. you know and he doesn't he'd and he doesn't he white people off. he'd rather die than do the will of god he so he's like throw me overboard get just get rid of me and they're they 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 actually you know once they find out who he worships his god yahweh they actually pray to him and say forgive us for for what we're about to do don't hold us accountable for killing this man be you know and they throw him overboard and the fish swallows him and everything and and then the sea calms and then the sailors are so struck by the 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 whole thing the whole um it experience that they actually sacrifice to God and worship him right there on the boat. So in Jonah's disobedience to God's will, he actually converts a whole crew of Gentile sailors. <laughs> right. And it, isn't that incredible? It's, it's just, it's ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> even uh, his, even Jonah's own reluctance to follow God ends up becoming an, an incredible testimony of God's mercy to the ungodly, even though Jonah didn't want to do that at all. Right. But every step of the way, he ends up inadvertently testifying to God's grace and mercy. It's it's funny and, and sad at the same time. Uh, yeah. But God, I mean, like how people say uh, God can draw a straight line with a crooked stick. And that's exactly right. Like God's sovereign over the ends and the means and so god if god intends to save somebody even if his appointed means which would be his his church even if we're not interested or inclined in following the mission he will get that message out one way or another (laughs) it may be in this way through jonah's suffering that he does it or uh ideally through the great commission like we learned in the new testament so yeah and uh, but uh, you know God is sovereign over the ends and the means is really mainly what I wanted to say. And the funny thing is, we can't say this for certain, but if Jonah would just have done what God asked him to do, he probably wouldn't have to deal with all the suffering. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. Probably not. He would have probably suffered in another way. We all do. But he definitely wouldn't have been swallowed by a fish and puked up on a beach, you know? But nope. but I wanted to get the the main like the the climax of this book is Jonah's prayer in the belly of the fish, and I do want to read that prayer. Do it, do it. Okay, so I'm reading out of the CSB. I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress, and He answered me. I cried out for help. From deep inside Sheol, you heard my voice. You threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, and the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me, but I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. The water engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was Wrapped around my head, I sank to the foundations of the mountains, the earth's gate shut behind me forever. Then you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. 
And then it says, uh, Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So. He rinsed the reading. <laughs> but that, that is such a good scriptural prayer. Yes. And there's actually... Um, there's not a lot of evidence in, in the verses of this prayer. But where he says... I cried out for help from deep inside Sheol. Yeah. Um, there's actually, well, there's a parallel between Jonah and Jesus in the belly of the fish because he was in the, sorry, if you hear a dog growling, that was my, my dog going insane with my cat. Sorry, they're wrestling. Okay. <laughs> wow, they really are. Yeah, they're going at it. They love each other. Anyway. Um... Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Jesus was in the tomb for three days and three nights, right? Right, right, right. So there's a parallel there. And there's actually even more of a parallel if this be true, but we don't know it. Um, when he says in verse 2, it says, I cried out for help from deep inside Sheol. There's actually mm-hmm. some common commentaries that say that he actually died in the belly of the fish and God brought him back to life. Yeah, uh, um, I don't lead you to think that. But I don't know. I don't understand the, the, the original Hebrew. Obviously, I'm not a scholar here, but but I don't know if he's just speaking metaphorically like I was, you know, at, you know, I was. I was good as dead. I was good basically. as dead. I was I was down there, and you did not, and your your faithful love was there to you know keep me. Right. You know, right? Um, well, so, I think I think part of part of the use of Sheol there, and and people kind of conflate Sheol and hell, and thinking that they're the same place. They're not actually really the same place. No, they're not. Um, so the, the, basically, in the in the Old Testament, they talk about Sheol as the grave. Even some translations will just say the grave instead of saying Sheol. But it was it was kind of believed that that was in the center of the earth. So from his perspective, not only he, obviously he's in the unprecedented uh, position of having been swallowed by a big fish, but he is as close to the depths of the earth as a living person could be. Right. So in his, in his mind, even if he didn't die and was was resurrected inside the fish, which I mean, I guess could be a possibility, but that's not generally what we think. And that's that's story. that is not exclusively in scripture. So I'm not telling you people to believe right. that. That I actually don't believe that. I think he never. I don't think he ever died in the fish. It's yeah. just. I think it's more of a. Uh, a way of speaking here, like like you said, it's it's a it's poetic, yeah. So, and you kind of have to read those poetic passages as poetry, even if they are in the middle of a uh, of a story. But um, it obviously he he's very very close to death. Yes, he's in the middle. Of, he's in the middle of the ocean at the at the deepest parts inside a fish, um, and so he's. I mean, I think here he's he's kind of praying his final prayer. You know what I mean? Um, and and basically that if he were to come out from this, he he will face the temple. He will be faithful. It's right. probably not not unlike uh, 
uh, Martin Luther's own prayer in the thunderstorm, right. saying he'd be he'd become a monk. Except that was to Saint Anne. Ugh, yeah, that's true. Do you know who Saint Jonah Anne did is? it right? Uh, when she marries mom, yeah, yeah. And There's do, a. Um, do you know uh, Mary's dad's name? Uh, I did, and now I'm blanking on it. Now that you've asked me, what is it? Joachim. Aha, Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, there's actually a, a church dedicated to Saint Anne in Jerusalem, and it's got uh, it's the the, in, the By the way, do you know I went to Israel? Oh, here we go. Okay, and this is guys <laughs> with Bibles, and we're out. <laughs> <laughs> the, and the church is built specifically to have incredible acoustics for um, singing. So if you stand in the right the right spot in the building, yeah, you'll have a really awesome acoustics for uh, um, acapella singing. That's really cool, actually. Yeah, it's legit. Uh, so, anyway, let's see here. Um, I think for me, the climax of this prayer, maybe I'm wrong, is. Verse 6, it says, I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The the earth's gate shut behind me forever. He is good as dead, right? Yep. Then you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. So it is... Jonah didn't ask God to come into his heart in the belly of the fish and save him. (laughs) He didn't give God permission to bring him up out of the belly of the fish or even give God permission to put him in the fish. There is no permission given to God here. God did it because he did it. It was his will, right? Exactly. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. And he did, and he did it for a reason. He wasn't just doing something just to do it. There was a purpose for all this suffering that Jonah was going through. Jonah didn't understand what it was at the time, but I think... I don't think Jonah he, ever he understood what it was. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> uh, you know... Of all the prophets, I relate most to Jonah. Yeah, he's just bumbling his way through it, trying to yeah. do what he wants, and it just doesn't It just doesn't work. But, but um, um, this, this reminds me, you know, sometimes we feel like because of some various sufferings that we go through or difficult circumstances that when we pray and ask for help and we don't get it immediately that God doesn't hear our prayers or we have some sort of sin in our life that keeps him from hearing our prayers. But Jonah, having having committed all the sins <laughs> up to this point, now trapped uh, at the bottom of the ocean inside a fish, he has complete faith that God has heard his every prayer, even from that far away from the temple. Absolutely. And I think that's a good thing for us to remember too that it doesn't matter where you are um God hears your prayers if you're if you're a believer. Yep. No matter yep. what you've done or where you are, how you got there, he still hears your prayers. Uh and then I wanted to hit on verse 9 in the prayer, very last line, salvation belongs to the Lord. It's almost as if Jonah is a Calvinist. <laughs> That'll preach. <laughs> no um what what some people call calvinism we call biblical christianity right yep right. so so uh but salvation's god's business not mine right 
And if I it was our business, it. we would totally screw it up like we screw everything else up. Right. So we'd, we'd run it like um, like uh, Simon the Sorcerer in Axe. We would oh. sell it. Oh, yeah. We'd, 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 be ma- we'd be making bank. We'd make stickers, slap them on plastic lunchboxes, and we'd be selling it. <laughs> selling it. We'd, we'd be Joel Osteen <laughs> and T.D. Jakes to the to the tenth magnitude. Yep. Did you get my Jurassic Park reference yeah. there? Okay. <laughs> With the sticker. Put the sticker <laughs> <everything>. <laughs> now you're selling it. You're selling it. <laughs> you're selling it. Um. Oh, shoot. So, well, sh- so you want to hear some repentance then? Yes. So he gets he gets coughed up on the dry land, and where is he? Nineveh. He's on the way to Nineveh. <laughs> <laughs> so God says, "Arise, go now to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation that I'm going to tell you." I think they left out. Get up, you big dummy. <laughs> you big dumb idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so he so he goes and he walks around and he goes through the city on one day and he cried out and said, Forty days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And then <laughs> he doesn't have to like debate with anybody or guilt trip them or tell them how they've broken God's law, even though they're they never I mean they're not Hebrews, they never they're, received the law. Yeah, they they're not even trained in the law. These people aren't even believers. These these people are like hardcore pagans that hate yeah. Hebrews. Like, <laughs> yeah, the, and they, they've built their whole lives around hating God and hating the Hebrews. Yes. And so, what does he do? He says that, and immediately the people of Nineveh believed in God. <laughs> it's it's the most like undramatic, uh, yeah, conversion experience. He just goes and tells them. You've sinned and you're going to lose your city, and everybody's like, "Oh boy!" and and they're on, they're in sackcloth and ashes and repenting. Yeah, it says right here. You know, they they proclaimed a fast and dressed on in sackcloth uh, from the greatest of them to the least. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, and put on sackcloth and sat in ashes. Then he issued a decree in Nineveh. I mean, it was like immediate boom. Everybody's saved. <laughs> we're saved, we're sorry, and we're fasting. We are repenting right now. We do not want to be destroyed. And uh call on uh, it says in verse 8, um let men call on God earnestly that each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence which is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. And I mean, these people even went so far as to put sackcloth on the livestock. (laughs) I mean... It's so pagan. Like, these these poor little pagans, they have no idea what's going on. And see, I really appreciated that when I was a Catholic because I have a German shepherd, and uh, Mm -hmm. she's my buddy, and... She's uh, almost 12 years old now, and when I was a Catholic, she was a puppy. I I totally had a St. Francis of Assisi medal on her collar. <laughs> like, even, I was so Catholic, my dog was Catholic. <laughs> Do they so, sell animal indulgences, too? Um, no, but on St. Francis of Assisi's feast day, um, people will bring their pets to church. 
Oh my goodness. And um, the the priest will have a small blessing for your pets. Uh, wow. Yeah. So, um, and living in rural Ohio, there's a lot of horse trailers that are parked outside. <laughs> Uh, the church so come out there and like touch the horses on the head and say a blessing and all that. Yeah, a little cross on the forehead of the horse and or the dog or cat or whatever. Wow, kind of strange, the you know. Get bitten. <laughs> the cats didn't really like it because some of them are little demons, but <laughs> probably burned a little. <laughs> uh, but okay. So after the, all the repentance here in chapter three, verse ten, God saw their actions. And they had turned from their evil ways, so God relented from the disaster he had threatened with, threatened them with, and he didn't do it. So God saw faith that he had actually, you know, granted these, them. he had given them this faith. If you read Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, mm-hmm. uh, you can see that faith comes from God. It's a gift of God, and these people, you know had this faith, they repented, they had repentant faith, and what he said he was going to do to these sinners, he did not do because he has this this covenant. He, this, showed, this, he has grace. He has this mercy and grace. Yep. And um, this and cracks <laughs> me up. So chapter 4, Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. <laughs> He prayed to the Lord, "Please, Lord, isn't this what I, th- isn't this what I thought while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled <laughs> toward the toward Tarshish, Tarshish, in the first place. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. And now, Lord, take my life from me, for it's." <laughs> Better for me to die than to live. He's like, I knew you were going to save these infidels, and now, <laughs> and now, now that you have, I, what are you doing? I don't even want to live anymore. I'm so mad. <laughs> if I've got to be in a covenant with these people, I'm out of here. Kill me now. <laughs> He's like, I don't want to be associated with these. Put me back in that poops. fish and let it digest me. <laughs> <laughs> Put me back in the fish. <laughs> So he he so he left the city and he he found like a I don't I don't even it does, does it even say what he found? It's just like a tree. He found some place to shade himself uh outside the city um, so somewhere verse, where he could look over the city, I think. I see in verse 5 it says he he went out from the city and sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in okay. the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. I've, I've, um, I've heard it used that way that he, he made he made himself a shelter and then God gave the plant. Yeah. So which and is yeah, hilarious in and of itself. The plant. Yeah. So then God appointed a plant. This is where it gets weird. Here at the uh, we're close to the end of the book. And God appointed a plant, and it grew over Jonah to provide shade for his head to rescue him from his trouble. Um, and Jonah loved the plant. He was so pleased with the plant. He was tickled. Um, he was tickled pink. And I'm pretty sure he didn't realize that, you know, God appointed it. Right, probably not. He just was like, he turned around and he was like, oh, that's nice, you know. So, 
so he had he had the plant for the day, and then when dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant and it withered. So it died, and he did not have that plant anymore. And then he then God to make his point even more clearer appoints a scorching wind, east wind, and the sun beat down on Noah's head, and it was. He almost passed out. He was so hot. And, it, you know, and uh, this is the Sean Tomlin version of the Bible. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he, 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 he wanted to die, and which is nothing new for Jonah. He said, kill me anyway. You know, this is like the third time he's mm-hmm. wanted to die in this in four chapters. And uh, this is like the big mic drop for God right here. He said, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And Jonah's like, of course it is. I'm angry enough to die. So there's number four, death. <laughs> so Death is better to me than life. So the Lord said, you cared about a plant which you did not labor over and you did not grow. It appeared in a night and perished in a night. But I may not care about the great city of Nineveh, which has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between their right and their left, as well as many animals. So, God created the people of Nineveh just as he created Jonah and the Hebrews, and he created everything. Mm -hmm. He is sovereign over everything. And Jonah's upset about a plant that he did not create. He didn't do anything about it. It just happened. And then it went away, and he's mad. and But he's mad that God saved his creation. Right, because I think deep in the back of his mind, he thought he knew better than God what to do. Right, right. And, and, that, he, and I mean, that's the sinful state of man. You know, we, we want to be God. Yeah, he, We want to be our own gods. He viewed Nineveh as something less than him. He viewed himself as... as uber righteous compared to these people mm-hmm. because because of his es- his ethnicity had nothing to do with god really it was right. who he was and who his 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 lineage was he was a child of abraham right. these people weren't so why do they it's, why do they deserve mercy and grace like i do when right. at, and here at the i mean throughout the whole book of jonah you can see jonah he doesn't deserve it either. <laughs> no, he doesn't. You know what I mean? And and God, God just... He presumed to think that he did just because of who he was related to according to the flesh. Yeah. And probably his law-keeping that he'd done since the time he was a child. And this is nothing new. Self-righteousness. This is nothing new. You can see it um, in, in the Gospels uh, when Jesus talks to the Pharisees. You know, they're like, well, we're a child of Abraham. Mm-hmm. We are who we are because of our ethnicity. Not because faith saves us, but because of who we are and the law mm-hmm. and Genetics the law has been us. yeah, the law has been given to our people. We are saved through, you know, the, that kind of stuff. Right. And it's and, it's and Jesus said that he could turn rocks into sons of Abraham. Right. If he wanted to. He was like that means nothing. You bunch of thugs. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but a bunch of thugs. You know the um, 
the story about the plant has always kind of reminded me a little bit of when Paul talks about being grafted into or pruned out of the olive tree, talking about the covenant. Oh, that's good. I never even thought about that before. You're a genius. (laughs) I read, I read a lot. But if, I mean, if you think about it that way, you know, God, God's grafting. He, what he's doing here, he's grafting new olive shoots into the olive tree of the covenant, and it's he, he has the right to graft in new branches, and he can cut off other branches according to to his will. And so Jonah's mad because he thinks all the branches should be the same, and he's mad now that God has grafted in this new branch of the the repenting people of Nineveh and it was it was not fitting what his idea of what the olive tree should be if you think uh, if you think about it in in Paul's terms and i think we even even we who are in the new covenant now can can kind of come to that idea in a in a different way yeah, Instead of we it being can, about genetics, it, we have our own reasons as to why we think p- other people shouldn't be in the covenant. But absolutely, we we do the exact same thing today. It's just from the opposite side, and uh, mm-hmm. it's we got to be careful about that, you know. Mm-hmm. Because um, yeah. after all, as, as Jonah said at the end of his prayer, salvation is from the Lord, and it would have been good for him to have remembered those words once he exited the fish. Absolutely, because his actions actions here totally violate that idea. No, salvation is based on my assumptions. In his mind, salvation mm-hmm. is is by my consent. I don't think you make the cut. I don't think you should be able to to hear this. I'm angry now that you're repenting because you're going to have the same grace that I have from God, and it's all mine. God doesn't have enough grace for you people. And then in a later manuscripts. Um, God actually gives Jonah the award for worst prophet ever. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but that's that's like Jonah in a nutshell. That was pretty good. We went through Jonah in 42 minutes. That's pretty good. Um, it's a great book. Um, it it highlights God's mercy and grace, and it highlights God's sovereignty. Uh, God's sovereign. It shows God's sovereignty over creation with the storm, with the fish, with the plant, with the mm-hmm. worm. Um, it go, it shows God's sovereignty over over salvation uh, uh, with Nineveh repenting immediately because God had already decided he's going to save them. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And he had awesome. to have somebody go preach to them. And he chose Jonah. Jonah didn't want to do it. And he fled from God's will. And God, even though it didn't go quite according, it didn't go according to, you know, the easy way plan plan a god's plan god's will still played out because if it's god's will it's going to be done one way or the no- another and god utilized whatever means necessary to mm-hmm. get jonah to nineveh to preach and and 
You know, earlier I said Jonah repented in, in chapter 2 in the prayer, and he did. I honestly believe he did. Do you? I do. Yeah, I do. I just think uh, he's... I, he, he repented of his sins at that moment, but he didn't repent of all his sins. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think I think chapter 2 shows how we aren't aren't cognizant of all of our sins all at once. You know, he he repented as he should have of dodging God's command to go to Nineveh. Right. He obviously knew he had done wrong there. He was receiving the rebuke for it as a son, not as a sinner. But he, he still hadn't checked his heart of his um, prejudice against against uh, the Ninevites. Right. And uh, I've heard some people say that he actually didn't repent. And um, really, yes. And. I can't honestly go along with that because we repent. I, I, you know, I pray every morning and every evening that, you know, I'm sorry. You know, I repent for what I've done and yet I keep messing up. You know, everybody Mm -hmm. does. If you're, if you're honest with yourself, you have to say that. And Jonah, although he's a terrible prophet, (laughs) he still gets, he still gets the job done. Right. Because it's the will of God for He's him to do so. second only to Balaam. Yeah, uh, that's Balaam true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, I, you know I, I think, I mean, obviously he doesn't just come out and say, I repent from my sins, but I think I get a kind of a Psalm 51 vibe from, yeah. like in verse uh, That's funny you say six. that. I have Psalm 51 written, or written oh. next, re- next to uh, chapter 2. Well, there you go. So. I, I see parallels there. I think Paul or Paul, David's language is a lot stronger there than this language is. But um, where he says, "You've brought my life up from the pit, O Lord, my God," um, that's in verse six. Um, in verse nine, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed, I will pay. You know, I think I think those things signal a heart that is repentant. And you know, you don't have. It's not a magic word, repentance. I mean, you don't have to say, yeah. "I repent." You know, there's lots of ways right. you can state that you want it's, to turn from your sin. It's more of a, it's not just a one-time thing where you, you. it's not the sinner's prayer, okay? No. You, it's, it's more of a, I hate to use the word lifestyle, but. It's a habit. It's a habit that you need to do, and, and Martin Luther, uh, my boy Marty Luther. Whoop. He, he says, he says a couple different things. He says, you know, repentance is, isn't a one-time thing. It's, it's a, something you need to do daily. It's a daily repentance. Um, someone, uh, referred to it as like a garment that you put on. Yeah. It's like putting on your socks every day. Like Mm -hmm. we have to, we have to repent. We have to put on repentance as if it's a part of our wardrobe. It's Mm -hmm. a life of repentance that we live. Unlike what the sinless perfectionist may say, where once you repent once and you get sanctified at the altar, you don't have to, you've never sinned again. Well, I think you, you miss out on so much of the richness of Christian experience if you discount the forgiveness of sins, even as a believer. That's how, we're, that's how we get sanctified. Right, and the minute you start saying, I don't sin anymore, well, what's the point of Christ? Right. 
Um, what's the point of God's mercy and grace if you don't need it anymore? And it, it, that just bothers me. Um, it boggles as, my mind. I'd never even heard of that until I became a Protestant. Like yeah. Protestants have thought up some pretty funny things over time. Even as a Catholic, I knew that. <laughs> I, I I knew that they got you, that right at least. Yeah, they they went about it the wrong way, but they got it right you, you, in a certain way, you know. Yeah. But that's uh, the thing; they haven't gotten, they didn't get everything wrong, but they they got important things wrong, and that's too bad. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um. Wow. I honestly I, I, think... Literally, I can't believe we tackled this whole book. I just want to put that on the record. Right. Um, <laughs> we were going to talk about something else, but I don't think we really have time to do that now, do we? I think it was... Oh, it was like a spiritual disciplines update or something. I mean, we can do that real fast. Um, I'm still doing the uh, Psalms of the Day. That's kind of been my primary Bible reading and prayer practice. Um, our boy, Michael, on... Uh, on Twitter was talking about a couple good apps uh, that I wanted to share. Mm-hmm. Um, he is using, well, he's using a couple apps. Um, one is called, oh, I'm pulling it up now here. Um, so one is just called Reading Plan. And on iOS, it's a it's a, a an orange um, app logo with an open Bible on it. And that lets you basically create your own reading plan, which is pretty cool. Um, and then another one is called uh, Enduring Word. And that has um, commentaries in it for free. I think oh, even, wow. um, I think it even has uh, some John MacArthur resources. Nice. Things like that. So you just select the book of the Bible that you that you're wanting to read, and your chapter, and of course then you go to it, and then it'll it'll bring up, um, it'll, um, what's the word, collate, um, aggregate, it'll aggregate commentary on that chapter of that book. Those are really big words so that hurt my it's head. A <laughs> it's a free app. It, it is really sweet. It looks good. It works well, so I'm going to try to include at least the the um, titles of them, and then hopefully all the links if I can in the show notes. Awesome. So I'm always looking for a new app, and Michael's out there too. He's he's had some time to search the app store apparently because he got called off of work due to uh, COVID nineteen. So he's been raiding the app store. So right. thanks to Michael for looking out. He's always sharing cool gifts with us in uh in the uh, private message sphere so yeah always good interaction so keep it up michael it's good knowing you and uh so i that's all i've got i kind of backed off of the book of common prayer a little bit um because i was starting to focus too much on the liturgy and worrying about it instead of worrying about what it actually was for was p- for praying oh um, boy so I kind of like relapsed into Catholicism a little bit. <laughs> Had a relapse. No, so. don't dip your toe in the Tiber. <laughs> I no, I, I wasn't like considering joining the church again. <laughs> no. But 
Catholics come home call me every now and then. Come out but, from among them and be separate. But, um, <laughs> so, I kind of wrote, I like to write my own, like, I like ordered prayer, but I don't, the Book of Common Prayer, there, you know, has all the liturgical seasons, and, and as a bat, and I, I appreciate those, and there's, there's a great, um, there's a lot of depth to the liturgical to. seasons through the, it, it kind of follows the life of Christ, what'd you say? The, that stuff can be can be kind of useful if it doesn't become the main thing. Right, right. It, it kind of helps follow the, uh, the throughout the year the life of Christ and 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 the, the development of the church and everything. And it, it can be useful, but as a as a Reformed Baptist, I don't really follow the liturgical seasons. You know, with the with my congregation, with our congregation. So I kind of backed off of the Book of Common Prayer a little bit and. Um, actually took one of the church bulletins that we have and looked at our liturgy. Um, it's funny Ooh. to say that Baptists have a liturgy, but we do. We have an order of prayer or an yeah, order every of... Every church has a liturgy. It may not be yeah. formal, but... Yeah, and, and ours is a very simple, but but I always... I, I, I can include like the apostolic greeting and the, the call, to pr- call to worship... And the, uh, I almost said call to prayer. I'm not a Muslim. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and, and the different prayers, uh, prayer of dependence and prayer of, uh, repentance. And, um, I actually found a really cool, uh, channel on YouTube that has, um, really nice congregational singing of hymns. Um, a lot of the same hymns that we sing. Um, so I, I subscribe to that, and then I'll I'll turn my turntable on, which has a a Bluetooth setting, and and I'll play a hymn or two, you know, in the morning, um, as part of my little routine in the morning now, and uh, I'll just pick a a passage of scripture or a chapter of scripture and read that and kind of pray through it, and I'm done. So it's 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 similar, but not exactly the same as. Uh, our church service, but um, it's it's a lot more in line with what we do. So it, it's helping me a little bit, and I'm not relapsing into liturgical overload. So that's awesome. Um, those those things are meant to be tools, and not not the actual point, right? So and, it's uh, just finding a way to organize that stuff to make it easier to pray, not make it harder to pray or distracting to pray. Yeah, and see, I. I would always obsess over little things like, I mean, I'm, I'm talking like when I would enter the church and before I entered the pew, I would, you genuflect. Oh yeah. At, at the tabernacle and, uh, behind the altar. And I would, I would like freak out if my knee didn't hit the floor. Oh my gosh. Like I was to that point, man. So I've come a long way. You have, um, but I tend to obsess over stuff like that, and that's I know that is a weakness of mine. So I need to maybe stay away from that stuff. So I kind of made sure about that by writing my own order of prayers uh, for morning and evening. Like I said, I like ordered prayer, so I I have that, but it's a lot more in line with what our church actually does and believes and 
So it's it's a lot That's more awesome. scripture or a lot more biblical. So you got to do what you got to do. Right. I think that's helpful. But, Sweet. Um, Lee, where can they find us real fast? Awesome. Uh, you can find us on the website, guyswithbibles.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the website, you can listen to our audio, and you can also read the blogs that Sean and I work so diligently on. Then uh, you should really check us out on social media. We have a Facebook group, the Guys with Bibles Facebook group. So find us and request to join. Uh, you can also follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at the handle at Guys with Bibles. You can email us directly at guyswbibles at gmail.com. And I think that's all the things. You should check out our show notes because we are part of the Bar Network. And while you're in their, your podcatcher of choice, subscribing to this podcast, you should also search our brother and sister podcast at the network and subscribe to those too because there's some very good content on the Bar Network. We're glad to be part of it. We're glad they let us in. And um, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. All right. Well, this is thanks for listening, everybody. And this is Guys with Bibles, and we're out. <laughs>